Hello and welcome to the Delaware Football Roundup by WVUD Sports with Jake Lampert. I'm Brandon Hovick. Here today to break down Delaware's 38-14 win against New Hampshire on the road, which moved the Blue Hens to 5-2 on the season and 3-1 in CAA play. Jake, we're recording this at 11.20 Sunday morning, so if you woke up this morning as you're getting your coffee or your breakfast, you turn on ESPN and SportsCenter, you're greeted to a pretty special treat. Number one play on the SC Top 10, Nasir Adderley yesterday. We'll start with that on the kick return late in the game. Barrels into a defender. Everybody pauses and watches and looks, and that Adderley sneaks up the sideline, breaks through, cuts back, and runs it 92 yards to the house the other way. Yeah, and I, as that game was going on, I got a text from one of my friends who works at ESPN, and he's like, that return was sick. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Because I would, wasn't expecting him to be aware of that. And he's like, the Delaware against New Hampshire hit. I was like, oh, yeah, that was sick. He's like, <laughs> totally barreled him over, and they watched him. And he's like, if there's a better camera angle, this might be number one on top 10 plays. And if there's no better camera angle, have fun watching it on YouTube. And I was like, oh, that's brutal. And I was like, well, the CAA camera teams, while they are good, they might not be great. And then it came out that they, were, they found a few more angles. And he sent me the video of him editing it for SportsCenter Top 10 Plays, which was really cool to see one of our players. And this is his, I want to say, third Top 10 play. So I this, wanna... this would be Adderley's second the third in the last two years because there was right. the, the Jarman flip against Richmond this weekend, actually, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, Adderley had that. Pick against Towson. That, yeah, the Odell Beckham type catch against Towson. He's a highlight real player, and I would assume there were scouts at that game. Um, I know against Richmond, there was Washington and Detroit scouts that were there. I was in the elevator with them, not trying to brag or anything, but I assume there were scouts at that game as well and that's definitely something to look for and that was the first time this season Adderley ran back a kick so it was a onside kick formation or onside kick return formation because New Hampshire was trailing in the game Delaware suspected they might try for an onside at that point so Adderley's back there deep as part of the hands team and he gets an opportunity to make yet another play Last week, not quite his biggest game, but then the week before that, Adderley was all over the place. We saw him make some plays in Fargo against North Dakota State. He's certainly having a great season. Jake, how does the kick return yesterday, that Sports Center top 10 play, compare to the interception from Towson? It's not even close. I saw that Towson play live, and it was a bummer that we had a bummed connection and had to call that game on a phone because... It was incredible, both Nick and I's reaction to when he caught that. It was above Odell-level difficulty on angle of catch, speed of catch. And he's a defensive back. He's not expecting to he's catch that ball. He's a defensive back. Um, obviously, Odell got fouled, falling into the end zone. There's where his implications are in. But that Adderley catch was the best catch I have seen <laughs> in any football realm, whether it's college, high school, professional. That's the best catch I've seen live. But I will say, I don't think I've seen a situation like yesterday where a player stops and stares down. In foot, this is not basketball where you dunk on somebody and you stand under the basket and look at them for a few seconds before you go the other way. This is in the middle of a football play. No whistles are blown. Adderley's still in bounds. And he stops and looks at the guy he trucked into. And then everybody else stops all around him. I don't think I've seen something like that before. They weren't expecting it. I mean, you mentioned it was an offside uh, offside kick, but 
UNH decided to kick it long. There's no formation for that. There's no defenders for that. That's just Adderley, and the rest of the team has to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. So he yeah. just kind of ran down the sideline and hit him, and I think everyone just thought this was some sort of kick return. All right. And one of the quotes that I saw that he put out was after the hit, Adderley was like, why did we stop? Because he, he didn't think he was out of bounds, and then it finally clicked. Hey, I'm still out of bounds. The ball's still in yeah, my hands. Let's go. Let's keep let's running. Let's go the other way. And he broke. He ran through one of the one or two gaps between UNH defenders, and he was gone. It was pretty crazy. Did you see the Scott Van Pelt best thing I watched I today from last yeah, night too? I did watch it, and uh, well, they didn't get the pronunciation right. And the Blue Hen Twitter account made sure to let him know that it is n- not Nazir; it's Nasir Adderley. Um, it was great begin as we do nightly with the best thing I saw today and I'm guessing you haven't seen this yet but you're fitting to it's Delaware New Hampshire and here comes Nazar Adderley on the kickoff return and he just trucks a New Hampshire defender and then gives him a look like what play continues on and Delaware good day for that uniform as we'll show you in Michigan highlights later here. Matt Sherlock catches a bad one, and Adderley gives him a look like what? Take that one with you. No whistle. Let's keep running. And back in the day, you'd, you'd have gone to the Stone Balloon to celebrate, but the Stone Balloon's been gone for a long time. That's a dated reference, but it's, a, it's one that the folks in Newark would get. It was, again, nice to see the Blue Hens up there. Um, they were up there for, like you said, three football plays in two years. And I think didn't we have a highlight uh, against us from Notre Dame, the basketball, when Notre Dame came to visit? I think so. At least they, they went over that game because yeah. it was Notre Dame. I want to say we were at least on they, SportsCenter for that. There was some sort of poking fun at the Blue Hens Some Bozzy Colston when he pl- was playing in the game, trying to dunk or something, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, it was great just to see us out there, Scott Van Pelt, to get us out there. Sports on a Twitter account, I think it had 10,000 retweets and 27, 28,000 likes on it. A lot of people thinking it was Michigan. It's not. It's Delaware. <laughs> Similar helmets, uh, almost identical helmets. But it was great to have us out there. All right, let's get to the game again. A 38-14 to win for Delaware moves them to five wins on the season. They're 3-1 and in CAA play, heading into a really important game next week against Towson, who all of a sudden is the lone leader in the CAA. They're undefeated in conference action. We'll get to that game in a couple of minutes. But on this one, kind of a weird game. A lot of unique plays, a lot of plays out of the ordinary, including that Adderley kick return for a touchdown. In total, there were five fumbles in this game between the two teams. Two of them were recovered by the opponent. There were three interceptions. Delaware had four sacks. There was a blocked punt. So not a game that Delaware really got into their rhythm offensively, but another game in which the defense really showed its colors and they came to play. And that's really what keyed them to that early first half lead. And largely the second half became garbage time. Blue Hens finished with 177 total yards in the day. If you brought that number to us last year, I'd say that's pretty average. But this year, 177 total yards is bad, especially for our offense. But, I mean, Keothu, touchdown to Scarf, touchdown to Papali. The ground game was... It's fine. Did its job. Nothing really special going on there. But you mentioned it. This was perhaps the best game that Del- the Delaware defense has put out of in the last few episodes i mean the stops against richmond were good but especially um late in the first quarter 
where Richmond, uh, not Richmond, uh, UNH drove downfield and Delaware held them to just a field goal. That might have been one of the best defensive stands that Delaware's put out with Reeder coming off the block, getting two key tackles. And didn't they miss that field goal, actually? They missed their first attempt. Yeah, yeah. and then they missed that field goal. So Delaware's defense did a great job on the goal line stand to hold uh, UNH to a missed field goal. You mentioned the total yardage, 177. If you said that's what Delaware's going to put up in this game, we probably both would have said they would lose. And last week, if you told us Delaware's going to be minus three in turnovers, we would say they're going to lose, especially to the number five ranked team in the country. Does that give you some extra confidence in this Delaware team that despite those types of marks going against them, despite the idea that they're probably not playing up to their full potential in these games, but they're still winning, does that give you you know, that confidence that they can pull out wins against some better teams that when, gives me when things less come confidence. together? Less confidence. Because you only have so many lose the turnover game, win the football game cards. You can only play them so many times. And if we're using them in the beginning of the season against teams like UNH, which, yes, better on paper, but this should have been a Delaware win. Yes, Elon was the number five team. They beat JMU, but their quarterback and their running back were out. We shouldn't have had a problem with them, given we really didn't. But you can only use those cards so many times. When it gets late in the season, when we wish maybe we can have pull one of those lose the turnover battle, win the football game cards, and they're all out, I'm a little nervous right now because I think we're using our luck a bit too soon in the season. The defense's performance, Troy Reader stands out among the rest. Eight tackles, four of them for a loss, and a sack. He also recovered a fumble early in the game where UNH had back-to-back snaps well over the quarterback's head. And the second one, Colby Reader actually runs in and kind of knocks the first guy out of the way. UNH had a second guy come in who fell on the ball, but it slips out from under him. And Troy is able to come up and recover it for Delaware, and that leads to three. So at that point, put Delaware up 10 to nothing early in the first quarter. He was all over the place. And it wasn't just that fumble recovery on the goal line stand. You mentioned it a couple other times. He was blitzing the quarterback and blowing up the pass protection. Last week, he had 15 tackles, CAA Defensive Player of the Week. This week, he might have been better. What can you say about Troy Reader's performance and... To me, I guess I would just put this out there that I think he's gone to another level from what we saw last yeah. year. And that's pretty incredible because that's an all CAA, all conference guy last year, possibly an all American guy last year who is exponentially better in his senior season. He looks great. There has been a newfound patience with him that I feel like when you enter this league as a linebacker, your first initial call is to just rush, is to push, is to tackle, is to go for the ball. And while that might seem like on paper the move to do, you need that patience. You see it with a lot of these professional linebackers, whether it be your Luke Keekleys of the bunch. They wait. They're smart with the ball. They time their rushes. They understand when to rush and when to not. And on that goal line stand, the first one where UNH missed their field goal, you saw that from him. The, I believe, second play of the goal line uh, – of the red zone drive for UNH. He scrambles out to the outside when they had a pitch play, and he was smart with it. He waited. He didn't push through the block. He waited until the running back got out into space, and then he made that tackle. He's smarter. He's playing better, and I think for everybody, especially this Delaware defense, nothing can get better than that. Another play that I want to highlight that I think was a not a turning point per se, but I think was important for the Delaware defense was Cam Kitchen's interception of the screen pass in the second quarter. 
UNH had a 15-play, 70-yard touchdown drive, which made the game 17-7. to Certainly a good first-half lead for Delaware, but not a game by any means that was out of reach. Delaware goes back-to-back, three and outs offensively following that field goal. And then, or excuse me, I, so at that point it was 10-7, not 17-7. This, this interception sequence would make it 17-7. 10-7, Delaware's offense had back-to-back, three and outs, after that Rago field goal, which came from the reader fumble recovery. And Kitchen intercepts that screen pass. Delaware takes over first and goal inside the 10. Next play, Joe Walker runs it in. To me, that really just seemed to get the Delaware defense reeling, seemed to get them going. UNH would have one more scoring drive with their offense later in the game. But Delaware's defense took control. We have come to the point in the season where we have finally realized that it's no longer the Delaware defense and the offense giving us the meh. And it's no longer the Delaware offense playing great and the defense giving us kind of the meh. Both units are playing to their probably fullest potential. I think the offense has a little bit more to give, especially on the running game. I think the running game is a step up. And I would say with the offense in this game – with the game flow, the way it played out, you know, there there wasn't a whole. You'd like to see them maybe have a couple more scoring drives early on, but there wasn't a whole lot that they were leaving out on the field. I mean, Kehoe seven to ten. It was just kind of a weird way that the yeah. game played out. The this is a scary part for any team now that has to play Delaware because last year they knew that if we can just scrape a few points against this top defense, the offense isn't going to do much against us. But now you have both sides of the ball that are going to come at you and they're going to hurt. And what better way to demonstrate that or put that on display than up against Towson as they come into town next week for Delaware's homecoming game? Towson is undefeated in CAA play. They're the lone undefeated team left, having just knocked off last week Albany 56-28. to Tom Flacco in that game was 23 of 36 passing for 306 passing yards. He had two touchdowns through the air. He also had two on the ground. He had 80 yards rushing on the ground as the Tigers' offense gained 538 yards on the day. Delaware, again, gained 177 in their matchup against New Hampshire. We've talked about Tom Flacco a little bit on both the Thursday show and here on the Delaware Football Roundup podcast. But him coming in from Rutgers before this season has transformed not only Towson's offense, not just this football team, but the trajectory of this program. This was a team ranked in the bottom third of the CAA preseason poll, and they have legitimate FCS playoff aspirations. And if they continue to play this way as one of the leading teams in the CAA, they'll be among the top teams in the country flat out. They'll have a chance to go deep into the FCS playoffs because, as we all know, the CAA is the best conference, and with seven potential playoff teams, if they continue to stand out above the rest, that's a big statement. Flacco is fourth in the league in rushing, just about 74 yards per game. He's first in passing. That's crazy. 282 yards per game. This, This is scary, and we saw Delaware have a few problems here and there with mobile quarterbacks, especially game one against Juwan Lawson, 
we always know the North Dakota Joe State Mancuso game. Joe Mancuso, too, yeah. put up Mancuso 400 can run. yards or something on them. I wouldn't put it as much as he can run as— He can move. The, the, he can move, and the Delaware def, uh, defense was always dropping back extra because of how much they burnt us in the passing games. So we kind of had a little bit more room to run. Easton Stick, North Dakota State, great dual threat quarterback. This might be our hardest test because this is a team we—it's a homecoming game. It's a conference game. It has perhaps the biggest amount of playoff implications as any game this season can have for Delaware if it's not a win-and-get-in game at the end of the year. And it's Towson. It's a team that did put the nail in the coffin for us last year with their last second touchdown. We want to beat this team, and we need to step up and beat Tom Flacco. It's going to be fun, and I think the Delaware defense is not necessarily ready for it, but they're excited for it. Yeah, and they'll as they do every week, go through their preparation throughout the week and study this team and all its components. But on paper, this is going to be a lot of fun. And it's I, I don't think it's do-or-die territory just yet, especially if Towson continues on this trajectory. When you would look at Delaware's resume at the end of the season, you'd say, okay, this is a game that I guess theoretically they should have lost if, if Towson is a undefeated or one-loss CAA team. Um, that said... If there is a knock that you can put on the Tigers, it's the competition level so far in CAA play. They got Villanova first, who at that point was looking like a top 25 team. At this point in the season, they don't look quite as good. Then they most recently have William & Mary and Albany, two teams that will be at the bottom of the conference, if not the two worst teams in the CAA. They did beat Stony Brook, a ranked team, and they did so definitively, 52-28. to So that's their best win so far this season. But for Towson, similar to Delaware, their final four games will say a lot about what this team is. They have Delaware on the road, then Maine, a one-loss CAA team, Elon, a one-loss CAA team, and James Madison, a one-loss CAA team. So we will really start to discover what this team is in the coming weeks. And with that said, all of these teams are so close if you're Delaware, you'd love to have this win, but if you can still pull off the three following, you'd be in decent shape. Uh, but I'm really interested to see what Towson really is in these next four games because that's a murderer's row. Those may be the four best teams in the CAA outside of Towson. I mean, it's hard to – it was really hard to predict that coming – when we talked about our preseason rankings that this was going to be the hardest part of Delaware season. We knew that Elon was going to be tough. We knew that Delaware was going to be tough. You th- you were high on Stony Brook. I wasn't really very high on Stony Brook, and we both were kind of meh on New Hampshire. But it turns out that these next few games, like you mentioned for Towson, like you mentioned for us, are brutal. And this is where Delaware, and I talked about it last week on the radio show, and I talked about it last two weeks ago when I was on the podcast – that this is where Delaware can make their mark. This is where Delaware can convince people because 24th in the polls after beating the number five rated Elon, no one liked Delaware. If people were big on Delaware and they supported Delaware, they'd be 20th on the poll. They might be even in the teens on the poll. This, If they win against Towson, Delaware will be without a doubt in the teens. Delaware. Well, well, where do they go? I'll ask you this. Where do they go after the New Hampshire win? Does that help? Or adjust their if ranking. Any. If there, if there's any movement with Delaware in the polls, it's up maybe two. Spots, depending on maybe what happened to the teams above them. Yeah, you know, if a couple teams lost ahead of them, maybe two. I mean, they should have beat New Hampshire. I don't think there was any 
um, rhyme or reason, but they did what they needed to do. Uh, so maybe one, maybe two, and then a thousand win moves them up. Then Stony Brook on the weekend of November 10th can really move them up with the Albany game in between. This is not for Delaware, the players. This is not for Delaware, the fans. This is for those FCS voters who unfortunately decided that we weren't playoff fit last year to remind them that we are a playoff team, that we are competitive, and what better way to do that than knock off perhaps one of the best teams in the CAA in Towson. And what a difference 12 months make. We look at this New Hampshire team, 14 consecutive playoff appearances. Last year at the same record as Delaware, 7-4 and four overall and 5-3 and three in the CAA. They made it into the playoffs. Now they're 1-6 and six overall and 0-4 oh and in CAA play. They still have the CAA preseason player of the year, Trevor Knight, and he's been fine, good, but not great. But the rest of that team looks like a mess based off what we saw Saturday. And Knight himself forced the ball into some spots once they fell down and really put their own nail in the coffin in a way at the end of that game. Now you look at Delaware, their trajectory is the opposite. They're rising up. They're back in the top 25 since that playoff miss last season, and they're well ahead of where that New Hampshire program is. Does basically where we sit here now with four games to go, it seems an awful lot like the situation last year. Delaware had two good wins at this point last year, having just knocked off Richmond, which put them into the top 25 for the first time. Does that sound familiar? They did that last week. And they beat Stony Brook earlier in the year, which turned out to be their best win of the season. Delaware has two decent wins, I guess, in Elon, and then New Hampshire is fine. Elon's the better win, though, and it's the best win of the last two years. So they sit here at the same record with four games to go, looking at it as they need to win three of the four, probably. And last year, they won two of the four, losing to Towson and Villanova. They have four to go. Two of them are ranked teams, and they probably have to win three of them. Yeah, and... What the kind of, I don't want to say coincidence, but the ironic part is that these teams are still Towson. These teams are still Villanova. Yeah, I mean, what a difference a year makes for Towson. Yeah, Towson is still here. Villanova is still here. Stony Brook, while it was earlier in the year last year, Stony Brook is still here for our playoff implications. Yeah. These are familiar teams. And they're going back on the road to Stony Brook. It's going to feel a lot. That's why it's going to be crazy because these teams know what's going on. They're not blind to it. They know that this can be a boost for their program, a absolute knockdown for two consecutive years for Delaware if they beat them. Both teams are going to elevate to some levels that you may not expect these teams can reach. I expect both teams to be at their peak. That's why it's so exciting. The CAA is the best conference. CAA is so close, and CAA is the best teams. It's. I also do want to add that when we go to Stony Brook, Towson will be done – Albany will be done, and Towson will continue through their brutal stretch of games. So Stony Brook can even be more important because let's say Towson fumbles and Towson drops these next two consecutive games going into the week against Stony Brook. That can almost be a win-and-get-in game for Delaware. Yeah, I mean, we'll go through all the machinations in, in these next couple of weeks, but Towson is the top team in the CAA right now. But what happens if they lose three of their last four? You know, and they're they're right in the that mix as a seven overall win, five CAA win team. Uh, Elon, who it would have been easy to write off after losing their quarterback to, for the season and not having their running back for a second straight week, 
they come out with a 38-point performance with Jalen Green, who looks fairly athletic against the Blue Hens, having his first career start, and Jalen Thompson, a new running back, who had a nice performance for the Phoenix. So even a team like that is still very much in the mix with one loss in the CIA. If they pull off what would probably be an upset win against Towson later in the season, what does that do in the CAA? If James Madison slips up somehow in these next couple of games, remember that's a Titan. That's still a top 10 team in the country, despite the loss to Elon earlier this season. It was a blimp. Elon doesn't even right, matter. But, like Towson's the CAA leader and there's still James Madison in this conference who very well could be the national champs when we're done this season. Imagine pulling up the CAA standings, let's say come bracket making time and you are so excited to pull the number one team out of the CAA being Towson because some team deep in the standings was expecting some middle of the pack bottom of the pack CAA team that slipped in at the bottom and all it says is James Madison because you pull them because they have one loss and they fell maybe at the end of the season they're third in the CAA they're fourth in the CAA if records end up going that way that's a brutal way to go out but there are a few things that I want to talk, talk specifically on this game. Yeah. And the first is Charles Scarf. He's, he's I don't want to say he's back, but he's back. Last year well, was I nothing. Don't, I don't even know back. I think yeah. he's here. I think he's, he's arrived. He's, he is has a newfound connection with roommate Pat Kehoe, especially on the first touchdown play. And you can see his skill and his confidence right then and there because he is a big dude. And he did not run under a cornerback. He did not run under a safety. He did not run under a linebacker like you expect those big tight ends to do. He went through them. He went deep. He broke the seam, and he went straight out into the open space. You don't expect that from a huge linebacker like Charles Scarf, and you don't expect the tight trust a uh, huge um, tight end Charles Scarf, and you don't expect the trust from Pat Kehoe to throw that ball to him. This is his sixth touchdown of the season. Last year, what do you have? One touchdown? Well, like three catches for one touchdown on the year? He had 13 catches. 13 for catches. For less than 100 yards. This season, he has about three times as many yards as he had last year. He, him coming into fruition and him finally arriving behind Reader and maybe behind Kehoe will be the third most important factor of Delaware season. Wow. It, you needed him. I mean, Joe Walker's up there. I mean, this, I mean, Nasir Adderley makes that big play. Nasir, I, like he's he'll make plays when when we, when... we expected Nasir Adderley to be great. Mm-hmm. We but Kehoe was a big question mark coming into the beginning of the season, and Reader, while he we knew he was going to be great, he's on something right now. He's playing at an extreme level, and it has to be Charles Scarf. You need that tight end. Yes, Owen Tyler was good in the fill in role. He was good against North Dakota State when they ran the two tight end sets. But this is. This is a good thing for this Delaware offense. Any other players or takeaways you want to spotlight before we wrap up here? Joe Walker had a rushing touchdown, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. Um, Get the ball in Joe Walker's hands. Good things happen. They targeted him a lot, uh, especially one of the deep plays. I believe it was in the front of the end zone where there was a lot of contact from both teams. They decided to no call it, but that was kind of a, all right, Joe Walker's in single coverage. Throw it up. Let him do his magic. They're finally trusting Joe Walker. They're finally putting the ball in Joe Walker's hands, and good things are happening. One other thing just to throw out there, uh, sub-package-wise, defensively, Drew Nichols got in a little bit at end on third down passing situations. I like that. He ends up with a sack. He's been nice as a freshman. Um, it makes you feel good about the linebacking core that despite three seniors starting right now, all three of which are impact players, Troy Reader, 
Charles Bell and Ray Jones, that there are some guys waiting in the wing, like Nichols and Johnny Buchanan, who have both had some pretty nice plays and haven't uh, had a whole lot of opportunities so far this season. Kendrick Whitehead, add him to the list. The true freshman gets his first career interception in garbage time. He looks like an athletic guy who's going to be able to play that bandit role once Jones graduates. So that was good to see him get back involved. And then how about Nigel Hill? Benched. We haven't talked about him. He was benched in the second half of the Elon game, which I don't think surprised us. He played in the first half because Tenny Adewusi had to sit because he was ejected in the game before. But once he returned, Casey Hinton stayed in that opposite corner spot for Hill. And I think Hinton will stay there. But Hill gets back in in garbage time and gets an interception. So that's probably good for his confidence, especially if Delaware needs him later on this season. He was a guy who was being targeted by opposing teams, especially Richmond, Richmond a really lot. Went at they him. really went at him a lot, and he was giving up some plays down the field. Uh, but he's just a redshirt sophomore, so he's another guy that you will look at in the coming seasons as an impact player. Adewusi will graduate. I believe Hinton is a senior. Um, I think I'm pretty sure he's a senior too. So he, he, he will graduate as well. Uh, but I like Hinton and what Adewusi have been doing back there joining Adderley and Brown, who really make the big plays, but as corners, they've been solid. Um, any Anything else to well, what, on what better quick? play? What better people to watch than have Adderley and Brown as the two that you get to look at? They're great players, and, and the, I mean, Adderley being probably the best on the team, on the defensive end. And this might be more of a, a story for, for the long term. I'm going to put this down as a review story idea, but... Guys like Brown and Adderley have been through so much change. These are guys, Ray Jones too, who have played or started since their redshirt freshman years because this defense was so devoid of talent in the Dave Brock era. They went through the whole coaching change. They went through a scheme change defensively. Both Brown and Adderley have gone through position changes, and they're really shining, especially Nasir Adderley. I mean, that's, this is a guy who, who he's going to be playing at the next level. You see the athleticism. You see he's he's on another platform than all these other CAA guys. Um, so it's just it's just fun to watch when they continue to make plays like this. I said when we were talking about Adderley, uh, I was talking to my friend, and he asked, "What round you think Adderley is going to go in?" I saw him projected fifth. I said fourth. I thought yeah. that was a little generous. Um, I said if he continues to put together an immaculate season like he's doing right now, third might not be obscene, but that's kind of a bit of a jump. Um, uh, it's tough for safeties too, position value wise. There are not, so many of them. They're you, not. You can move anyone into it. Yeah, you're not gonna go after a safety all that high the way you would an edge rusher or a corner or something like that. He's. I'd I'd peg him as fourth. I'd say he'll be a fourth round pick. Um, and f- speaking of draft stock, if you're looking at the readers, what a game to watch for them. I don't know if they're. Even thinking about the draft right now, they're probably still thinking about uh, how they're going to beat Towson and how they're going to contain Flacco. But they boosted their draft stock like it was nothing that game. Absolutely, it'll be it'll be fun to follow these guys throughout the rest of the season, starting with next weekend's game against Towson, which, as we've noted time and time again here and even before this game, will be a big one. It's homecoming Saturday, October twenty seventh, Delaware Stadium. Tom Flacco comes to Delaware, the younger brother of Joe Flacco, the CAA's leading passer to take on this vaunted Blue Hens defense in a matchup of the top couple of teams in the CAA. One CAA loss between these two teams. Would you have believed that if I told you that was going to be the case coming into this season? Absolutely not, and I wouldn't believe you if you told me that one loss was from Rhode Island on the opening week. Rhode Island, who themselves only have one loss in the CAA. The CAA is a magical place. It absolutely is. It'll be fun.
Saturday, 3.30 kickoff, 3.15, our coverage begins on 91.3 WVUD. Thank you for listening. For Jake Lampert, I'm Brandon Halvek. Talk to you guys soon.